0: for two years. There was a secret compartment in this house. In fact, if you go to Amsterdam today, you can go to the Anne Frank house and see the compartment where she, her family, and some others lived hidden from the Nazi uh, occupiers. But in that movie, uh, unfortunately, it is a tragic ending movie because the Nazis find out about it. And as the movie ends, the door of the secret compartments being kicked in by the Nazi soldiers and Dr. Frank, Anne's father, has everyone together huddled and he says this, he says, for two years we have lived in fear, now we will live in hope. And I thought about that and what a powerful saying. How many times have we been afraid of something and then when that something happens, we're no longer afraid. Now we start hoping for a deliverance, or for an end, or for a better something to happen. Hope is so necessary for life. Everyone understands that. Everything we do, we go, we work. Why? We hope to get paid. We hope to be able to provide for ourselves. We get married, we have families, we build friendships. We, all of this is driven by a hope. Whatever that hope is, that somehow this will be good and this will turn out. Well, as we're trying to understand, what does it mean to love God with all of my soul? You know, we've talked about that means you live for God. Your soul is your unique self. That unique ego that separates you from all other people on the face of the earth. It is your personhood, and that's unique to you. And to, in order to love God with that part of us, what does that mean? It means, I live for God. And we developed that in the previous two sermons. But today I want to talk about the importance of the hope that we have. And that is the force that drives us to live for God. And I want us to consider three passages here from three different authors of the New Testament. The first one is in Second Peter, chapter 3. I thought Basola was going to steal my scripture uh, in her communion message. But you know what? That's fine. I have no uh, possession rights to it. It's free for all. But here in uh, uh, chapter 3, as Peter is talking about the end of time, when the judgment of God comes... He says in verse 13, But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. The home of righteousness. In Peter's mind, there's something coming. In Peter's mind, he's looking ahead. There is a hope. A new heaven, a new earth, the home of righteousness. Let's go to the Apostle John in Revelation Chapter 21, John is given a vision where he can see the end of this and really the end of this world but the new beginning that is coming. And it says here in very poetic terms, verse 1 of uh, Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things will have passed away. And then the Apostle Paul in Romans 8 had this to say about the hope that is to come. Verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Paul says that all of creation groans. Why does it groan? It's because it has fallen. Now, no matter where we are spiritually in this audience today, you have a view of reality. There is a view that you consider real. And other things you don't. If you're a Christian, your view of reality is that God created all things. That all creation comes from Him. We come from Him. Your view is that God had a perfect plan for all of His creation, but when sin entered, not from God, but from mankind, all of a sudden, things started coming unraveled. This beautiful creation now started to head toward death and decay. Sin is like cancer. You know, if I go to the uh, doctor, and the doctor tells me, Sheridan, we took an x-ray, we found a spot on your lung. I don't leave, and the doctor doesn't let me leave, thinking, well, you know, I'm 190 pounds. (laughs) You know, then you found a little spot, I still got 190 pounds of me that can, you know, Beat on that little spot. What's a little spot? No, he won't let me leave till we come with a plan. I won't go. Why? It's only a little spot. Look at me, 190 pounds. It's only a little spot. Because the nature of cancer is to spread and kill. If that wasn't its nature, no big deal. It's just a little spot. But the nature is to spread and kill. The nature of sin. We understand that. The spirit of rebellion. That Ephesians chapter 2 talks about. That spirit spreads and it kills. And all of a sudden there was God creating his world and now everyone wanted to be God. You know, it's amazing. Sometimes people go, I just want to be a good person. What does that mean? A good person according to who? What would it mean to be a good person according to a group of racists? What would it mean to be a good person if you sat down with Adolf Hitler? What would it mean? What would I mean? You see, our idea of good people automatically assumes we have a standard by which we determine something's good or not good. And the problem with sin is that that spirit of rebellious comes in all people, and they I want to be God. I want to call my own shots. You know what the the most oppressive form of government is? It isn't a dictatorship. That's the second most. Most oppressive form is an anarchy. You know why? With a dictatorship, you know where the problem is. You have a focal point to react. With anarchy, everybody's a dictator. <laughs> it's all around you. Everyone is the authority. So you have no way to focus and say, here's how we address a problem. Everybody. That's what sin does. It's all over here. And Paul talks about all of creation. It's affected the physical universe, the atomic universe. It's affected everything. This rebellion. Because it's been against God the creator. So our view of reality is the fact that creation has fallen. Man and woman has fallen. We are not living the way we were created to live. We decided to be God ourselves, and now We've had hate, war, rapes, abuse. You just go on and on and on. And we always say we're getting better. Great. Pick up the New York Times today. Read the New York Times. Go back 2,000 years ago. Read some ancient documents. How much better have we gotten? We're just better dressed. We can hurt people in more inventive ways. We're still the same. You know why? We can't change the human heart. The spirit of the sin just wreaks havoc so this hope of a new heaven a new earth we believe that god is going to do that he is going to recreate now he's patient right now giving people time to respond but that is the hope and so if i'm going to live for god i need to always ask okay why what's going to motivate me? i have this hope I have this hope of the new heaven and the new earth. I have a hope that I will become whole again. I will become what I was intended to become. I won't have to decide to love. I will be loving. I won't have to wait on anyone to love me because everyone will. In the new heaven, new creation. There is no need. I won't have to be anxious. I won't have to be afraid. I want to... None of this. It's all gone. I will be... Everything I was created to be. That's the hope for myself and for all of us. That is what the writers talked about. That's what needs to burn within our hearts to allow us to really live for God. So I want to hit real quick, and we're going to go through this quick, four truths about this hope. Four truths. Truth number one, this is what I was created for. Okay, look at 1 John chapter 3. This hope to become redeemed, to become whole again, to be renewed, and to be a person that is totally like God in character. That is the purpose. That is, is uh, what God is trying to achieve now and what he will achieve on that last day. 1 John chapter 3. Verse 1, How great is the love the fathers lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is." Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Have you ever had a goal to do something and you achieved it? Maybe in sports you had a goal to do something. Or maybe in school I want to attain this. Or maybe an advanced degree. Or on your job I want to get a a promotion. You know, whatever. Think of some goal you had and you got it. Remember how you felt when that happened? It's like, it is done. I did it. It's finished. And there's a sense of almost wholeness that you feel when that happens. That is what this hope is all about. That is our purpose. God wants to make us, we are creating His image, He wants to restore that image to where we are wholly like Him in character. We won't be like Him in power and all those acts, but in character. So that no longer am I going to have to wish I would be more loving, I will be. No longer am I gonna have to wish I could be at, pay, at peace I will be. No longer am I going to have to be afraid of different things. I will be. That is who I will be. Everything I've, I've striven for. You know, you think about it. Trying to live as a disciple. I want to do this. I want to be courageous. I want to be like this. I want to be like that. And sometimes it's hard and you feel like you're in a battle. No, no. It's over. You did it. You crossed the goal line. And it isn't just making it. It's who you have become now. Everything that we're growing toward, as our character changes, we become a little bit more, a little bit more. It will be completed at that point. That is the purpose. And that's our purpose. Every struggle, every tear, every th- all that's gone. And we will have finished. And we will be complete. And there will be nothing that we are lacking. Because of a lot of the things in our lives that we fall short in, you know, we want to be loved. So we end up compromising and doing a lot of things just to get some attention. And then when we get betrayed, we, you know, we're we're heartbroken. We feel all that. And so we go after someone someone and all of a sudden, you're just living a life and your life has been hurt over and over and over again. That won't be the story anymore. You will be complete. And that's the purpose right there. Second truth about the hope we have in heaven is that it's not going to be boring. I want you to think about that. I used to think, man, going to heaven, that'll be great, but I think of it more like I just don't want to go to the other place, you know? But the bottom line is, it will not be boring. What is it in life that causes excitement, joy? Elation. You know, the things that just cause you to kind of jump up out of your seat. I saw some people in here at the Super Bowl, Billy, watching the Super Bowl. Man, it started out, it was the Atlanta Falcons all the way, right? Billy was not feeling too good right there, okay? He was just kind of getting ready to let me just resign myself maybe next year. But I'll guarantee at the end of that game, you could not sit that young man down when the Patriots came back. That's right. It's like, now why is it? What happened? Billy's the same person. He's the same guy there. So what was the difference? The difference is the hope in the Patriots winning. And when they did, it's like, yeah. But guess what? You can still have fond memories of that. But that's going to fade. Why? Because now you've got to wait for them to do it again. Or wait for something good to happen until you can feel that again. Right? I want to do it. Oh, she said she'd go out on a date with me. Yeah! You know, but that's only going to last for a little bit. It's all dependent, right? It's all dependent. You need things to happen to keep that feeling and that excitement. When you read the book of Revelation in heaven, people say, oh boy, praising around the throne, that doesn't sound exciting. Oh, you see, in heaven there is no need for excitement because God himself will pull that out of you. Everything on this world that you need to make you feel, yeah, that's God himself in perfection to the millionth degree. And so you being right there is going to be one eternal long, yeah, you need nothing to stimulate you. Nothing to evoke any of that. Nothing. Why? Because it's God himself. There's no more crying or pain or tears. Everything's wiped away. All the adversity, because of new heavens and new earth, we will be there. And boring is the thing that will never happen. One continual elation upon elation. That's the hope that God's given us. Third truth, this hope is worked out on a daily basis. I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Starting in verse 3, Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him." and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That hope of being renewed, redeemed, perfected in the new heavens and new Jerusalem is happening right now. I am receiving the salvation of my souls. My character is in the process of changing now. It's all about growth. And people say, well, Sheridan, why did not God just take you up there right now? He wants me to help other people. He wants you to help other people. Meanwhile, we're changing. We're growing. Now, here's the key. We have a living hope. We don't just have a hope. We have a living hope. There is a difference. Let's take John Perez here. John Perez loves to play basketball. John Perez is a great basketball player. He plays all the time. He loves that. Let's say John and I get together and we're gonna go two-on-two. Alright? Have a little two-on-two. So say, John, choose the best guy in here. You choose your best guy in here and I'll choose my best guy in here and we're gonna go two-on-two. You know what? There's no contest, folks. There's absolutely no contest. Because you see, Whoever ends up with me, they are severely handicapped in basketball. John's team is going to win, I can guarantee you that. I just look like I know how to play it. The only thing, I have no vertical leap. Every time I try it, it just aligns the vertebrae in my back so I get something good out of it, but I can't play basketball. Okay? So, the only hope I would have that my team would win, no matter how good of a guy I got out of here, is maybe an earthquake would happen, or a meteor shower, or John and his guy all of a sudden both get appendectomies right on the... I mean, I, that's the hope that I have, that somehow my team would win. There is the living hope. If I go outside of this group and I get LeBron James, it's over. Now, why is it over? There's still two people on my team, me, but who am I with? LeBron James. That's what you call a living hope when it comes to winning in basketball. It's the same way in life. God has given us a living hope. He doesn't want us to live so far in the future we don't live in the day. Our future is dependent upon the days we live. Today is important for my future hope. Because today is the day that God has given me to walk with my living hope, Jesus. Who says, follow me on how to treat people. How to respond to situations. Who I need to be, not just things I need to do, but who I need to be. I have a living hope. There is a presence, a power in my life to become. Not to just do. We can train animals to do things, but to be something, that's a whole different realm. And God's given me a living hope. I need every day to learn how to love people. I need every day to learn how to value the right things. I need every day to submit myself to God for His training, His conditioning, His changing, and His preparing me to live with Him forever. So while I have a hope there, I don't check out today. Today is the building blocks of the hope that I'm going to inherit. Today is the day I have my character to change. Today is the day I can be more vulnerable, more open, more kind, more compassionate. Today is the day I can learn something more about Christ and what it means to live a godly life in an ungodly world. Today is the day. That's all I have. But my today is directioned toward that hope, and that's what's calling me to live for God. The last truth. First truth is this is our purpose, you know, to be perfected. Second truth is it's not gonna be boring. Third truth is this hope is worked out on a daily basis. Fourth truth is this hope is contingent upon my choice. God has stacked the deck. God has, you know, set it up so that I can inherit that great hope and that hope can drive me to live for him every day because I know how the story ends. I know how it's going to be. There'll be challenges and rough times between now and then, but see, I've seen the end of the story. I'm going to be okay. He showed me how to get through it. Not because I'm great, but because he's great. And he's done that for all of us. He's done that. He put a living hope in our lives. So there's no way we can miss unless we choose to miss it. You know, in areas of health, if I'm feeling bad, I always end up waiting, but I choose where I'm going to wait. If I'm feeling bad, I can wait at home and hope things get better and hope, maybe hey, maybe the doctor will call me. Wouldn't that be something? I'm feeling bad. Maybe the doctor's going to call me. I can sit there and wait. And that's waiting. And I can hope. Or, I can put myself in a situation like the doctor's waiting room, and I'm still waiting. But what's going to happen? I'm going to get the issue addressed. I have put myself in a situation where I am going to get the health issue taken care of. I'm waiting in both areas, right? But in one situation, I've chosen to wait in a place that puts me out of the available help. In the other one, I choose to put myself in a situation that puts me where the available help is. Is it because I'm great? No. It's just where I've chosen to put myself. In Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 14, he says, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God, that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal cho- sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, you know, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. Skip down to verse 25. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. They did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth. How much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. I'm the only one that can see to it that I put myself in the right place. It's my choice. I can choose to follow Christ, I can choose to respond to God, or I can choose not to. No one should ever choose to follow God without understanding why they do that. You don't know if He exists. You don't know if it's true. Maybe all this isn't true. But if it is, then he is the creator and everything is true. And everything gives an account to him. If it's not true, just an idea, a thought. But how will you know unless you decide, I'm personally going to study and find out? You know, it bothers me, it hurts me when people reject Christianity only because, I. man, I feel bad for them. I feel tragic for the person that rejects fake Christianity because they think that that was the real deal. If you're going to reject something, reject the real thing, not something in your own mind or your own understanding. Find out what you've got to reject or accept and study that out and make a decision. Our hope is a matter of our choice and us choosing to put ourselves in the right place. Singers are going to come here, and I want to close in John 14. And I want us to think about this. <clears throat> I'm going to love God, with, trying to love God with all my soul. What's going to drive me to live for Him? I know the end of the story. I know the hope. The new heavens, a new earth. I know that this life is all about being perfected, and that every day I, got, I, I live... I'm able to let my character grow by the power of God and the presence of Christ. I know all that. I know I have to make choices, and good choices to put myself in a situation. If Jesus says, do something, I need to do that, because that puts me in that right situation. But you know, doing all that, at bottom line, it comes down to this. I won't end up having my inheritance because I just walked into it, Somebody will have taken me there. Jesus said in John 14, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am am. That is our hope and that is the promise that spurs us to live for God.